Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Danny Carlson and I'm NAESP's Assistant Executive Director for Policy and Advocacy. We're trying something new. We're starting a podcast. It's gonna focus on the research, advocacy, and policies impacting principles. Guests will include everyone from principals to researchers, advocates, policymakers, and other folks doing interesting things in the field. If we do it right with each episode, you'll learn something new and hopefully come away thinking about some of these issues in a new light. Each episode will be a new topic from a different angle. So we'll talk with federal, state, and local policies impacting principles. We'll talk advocacy. We'll bring in folks to discuss new and interesting research and emerging trends in the field, and any other topic we think you might want to hear about. If you have a show idea or guest you think we should have on, shoot me a note. My email is dcarlson at naesp.org or on Twitter at Danny D. Carlson. All shows will be available for download under the Advocacy Tools section on the NAESP website. Our first show, which you'll hear next, is with Paul Fleming from the Tennessee Department of Education. If you've been following education over the past few years, you know that Tennessee's been doing some great work to elevate principals in their state. I really enjoyed speaking with Paul and found our conversation to be very insightful. I hope you will too. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks everyone for joining us uh, for our first edition of this podcast. Uh, with us, we have uh, Paul Fleming, who's the Assistant Commissioner of Teachers and Leaders at the Tennessee Department of Education. Uh, Paul, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much, Danny. Great to be here and excited to talk about uh, leadership in Tennessee and across the United States. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, let's, uh, let's jump in. I think, uh, um, you know, you were, uh, you were a, a former principal, so I uh, would love to hear just a little bit more about you and then your, uh, your role there in Tennessee. Sure. So I was, as you noted, a, uh, both a, a former middle school and high school principal for a combination of seven years and also a teacher before that for 12 years. So had, I think, a lot of great opportunities to, to teach and lead in different couple different settings here in, in Nashville Public Schools. And then also when I joined the State Department in 2012, and it's been really gratifying work to uh, focus on our division around uh, developing strong teachers and principals related to areas like uh, licensure and uh, preparation programs here in the state around teachers and principals, around evaluation and effectiveness, and also around human capital and working with districts to uh, and be strategic and helping them be strategic about uh, placing and recruiting and developing and, and extending the reach of, of high quality and highly effective teachers and leaders. So it's, uh, it's a great opportunity and it's, it's been a good fit. Absolutely. Well, that's great. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, some of the ways that that you all there at the State Department uh, support uh, districts and schools and sort of what that relationship looks like. Um, let's first though start with just this sort of question of of why uh, prior prioritize school leadership. Uh, you at the state level, um, there's a, a million different uh, education initiatives that, that the state could uh, sort of choose to engage in and really focus on. Uh, Tennessee has chosen to, to really make school leadership and principals really um, sort of front and center. Uh, so just want to hear a little bit more about why. why. Why is that? Yeah, great question. And, you know, I think in Tennessee, like a lot of states, there, there are several reasons to really elevate the importance of, of principals in in, in our districts and in our schools. First, as a lot of people know that, you know, principals are the, the second most important and impactful factor of impacting student achievement only, uh, 
only trumped by teacher effectiveness. So we know the role of the principal matters, and we know that schools do not improve unless there's a highly effective principal at the helm. So I think that's compelling. Uh, I think second, you know, in Tennessee, like a lot of states, the scale is really doable. So we have almost 70,000 teachers, but we have only 1,800 schools. And each year we have about 200 principal openings. So we believe that by being cohesive and thoughtful and innovative around principal development and principal pipelines, we can train and, and partner with districts to get the right folks in those leadership positions to have a huge impact on their school because principals are multipliers of uh, what happens in the school and also the impacts, you know, teacher practices that impact student achievement. Uh, it's interesting that, you know, that teachers, why they stay in a school, the number one reason is the perception of the principal. So we know this is an incredibly important role. So I think those two are really compelling to us. And then third is the role has changed so much in the last 10 years and, you know, moving from business or moving from sole, you know, uh, uh, manager to instructional leader to now shared instructional leadership is really takes a different skill set. And you know, we're excited to try to help aspiring folks and current principals move along that continuum to, you know, better impact themselves, their own practices, and their schools. So I think those are three, you know, pretty compelling reasons for us why we're focused on, on developing principals throughout the state. That's great. Uh, and that, that makes um, a lot of sense. I know that uh, you all really um, in sort of um, just learning from what you all done, what you all have done in Tennessee, um, sort of top to bottom. Uh, it's just an incredible focus. Um, and so that's really exciting stuff. I uh, want to push you on something just to explain a little bit. You mentioned sort of this um, progression of the role kind of from the um, I don't know what 10, 15, 20 years ago is really sort of the administrative position to sort of instructional. And then now you've kind of uh, discussed this sort of third idea. So can you just explain that, uh, explain a little bit more what you mean by that? Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of pressure on principals to do it all and to be the sole or, or only instructional leader in a building. And while that is, uh, understandable it is often misguided for, for multiple reasons and I think the biggest reason is missing the opportunity to build capacity within a building around helping teachers uh, develop capacity to provide some shared leadership support and uh, practices that not only builds the capacity of the teachers but also has a positive impact on the school. There's a lot of compelling research that shows that when principals share the leadership, which doesn't mean they hand over the reins to teachers, but our intent of bringing teachers to the table and their leadership teams to the table, so to speak, to develop uh, shared practices that morale improves, school culture improves, and student achievement improves. And a real quick example, and I, I found this myself when I was a principal, is rather than a principal thinking they need to provide all the professional learning themselves to their faculty, uh, really tapping into the teachers on their staff that have expertise in different areas and allowing them to shine and uh, present and own professional learning for their peers in a way that's not possible if a principal believes they're the only, you know, instructional leader, right? So I think that's, that's a pretty powerful practical example of how if principals are serious about uh, shared leadership, they're looking at uh, empowering and developing their teachers to become instructional leaders for their peers in the building, 
which has, again, a significant impact on the achievement in their, in their school and for their students. So uh, that's, you know, it's kind of what, what we believe in, and we've even put that now into our state leadership standards, this very notion of uh, shared leadership is, is the goal and what we want every principal in Tennessee to become proficient and advance with are our set of practices around shared leadership. Yeah, so thanks for the question. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So do you, so in terms of that expectation of kind of shared leadership, so what does that look like in terms, so if you're a, if you're a practicing principal in mm-hmm. Tennessee, um, right. is that part of evaluations? Is it sort of uh, professional development? So where do you see that sort of manifesting? Yeah, great question. So we start with right, our standards. And so uh, there are specific indicators around shared leadership practices that are then, because they're in the state leadership standards, in a principal's evaluation rubric. So, for example, there's an indicator around differentiating professional learning for teachers. So we all know sometimes professional learning is a one-size-fits-all when it's, when it's pretty ineffective that way. So by signaling this in, in our principal evaluation rubric, principals have to think about, well, how do you differentiate professional learning based on the needs of my teachers? And, you know, as a former principal, I saw that all the time, that teacher A could really be struggling with, you know, unit planning, but teacher B is knocking that out of the park, and they need more support around, you know, technology or around, um, you know, uh, questioning or instructional practice. So the idea that one size fits all is no longer the expectation, but principals are being trained and have to think about how they differentiate professional learning for their teachers based on the individual needs of the teachers. Um, the other thing we did is we, we actually put into both the standards and the principal rubric the learning forward uh, professional learning standards, which also signals that idea of, of shared leadership, and also the teacher leader standards, the national teacher leader standards. So principals are not just hoping that teacher leadership happens, but they are trying to really encourage and set up the structures and the supports necessary for their teachers, if they so choose, to become teacher leaders in their schools and in their in their district. So, you know, those are some ways we were, were thinking about practically making sure that what principals should be doing is also what is happening when principals are evaluated, because too often there's a disconnect between what we're expecting principals to do and how we're actually holding them accountable. So we believe we're trying to make that pretty streamlined and cohesive uh, between those two and to connect the dots. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That's really, that's really helpful. Um, so if, how do you all sort of think about um, intentionally kind of, you know, talking about school leadership and sort of getting the right folks um, in, into schools how does Tennessee sort of approach this notion of sort of recruiting the right people, uh, preparing them the right way, and then sort of supporting them along the way? Uh, what is the sort of intentional approach that, that you all uh, use to, 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 to get those folks, to get the right folks uh, in schools? Yeah, that's another great question. And I think, you know, we kind of our aha moment a few years ago was to really look at our data. And I think like a lot of states, we saw a bunch of aspiring folks in Tennessee already had their initial license, but districts were wanting them to be, uh, to require them to have even more training, even though they'd already had their initial license. 
and understandably, a lot of teachers sometimes get their administrative license just for additional pay without ever wanting to go into, you know, leadership. So that helped us realize kind of a two-pronged approach. So we have 18 leader preparation programs through our universities in the state, and we are committed to trying to support them and help them get even stronger with their curriculum. Uh, really, we have new funding to incentivize programs to try out residencies, models that are year-long models for aspiring leaders so that they would be placed with a high-quality mentor, for example. They would be in a school for at least a semester, uh, being in that kind of aspiring uh, principal role for a full placement of a semester. And, you know, that's, that's been one approach is, is working through our leader preparation programs to, to give them better data and, and also to incentivize stronger practices. The other approach, as, we all, as I just mentioned, is, is also helping districts along the leader development side. And, you know, we're proud of some of our programs that we've developed through both state funds and using the Title IIA 3% set-aside under ESSA to set up a kind of a, a statewide platform called the Tennessee Transformational Leadership Alliance that we now are funding nine different regional models around the state for districts to grow their own. And we're calling these leader development programs because they are primarily uh, training folks who already have their beginning license, but districts want to invest in them with even more training to become highly effective principals. So that CTLA, we call it the Tennessee Transformational Leadership Alliance, those nine pipeline programs are training right now 160 aspiring principals across the state using now 3% set aside funds. And we believe that's, that's a, I think a pretty effective way for these districts to uh, grow their own around identifying you know, highly effective aspiring folks and design a model that fits the needs at the, the local level. At the same time, also giving them some guardrails, so to speak, because there's you know, great research out there about what are the elements of highly effective pipeline programs. So all of our nine pipeline programs have to show evidence of meeting uh, those kind of eight areas of highly effective pipeline programs in the design and the continuation of their model. So, so if that makes sense, that's what we're trying to really focus on, both leader preparation programs, also leader development programs. And I've stated this finally, um, for our current principals, especially we have a lot of rural districts in Tennessee, and especially for them, that sometimes the isolation can be a lot because they don't have opportunities to network. And we're launching, we're calling a rural principal network for principals to come together and meet regularly during the 18-19 school year. So that they have opportunities for professional learning and for and for networking since um, I think you would appreciate and I know as a former principal it can be a lonely job and if you don't have supports and peer support it's tough it makes it even harder so we're excited about that rural initiative as well for for current principals so. that's great that's great and and correct me if I'm wrong the the principal pipeline partnership uh, grants uh, those are the, the those grants you mentioned that you're using Title IIA funds for, uh, in part. Uh, some of those are um, districts that are in in in, in rural areas where, um, right. right. So there's an opening in an individual school, and 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 there might not be sort of the a candidate to fill that job. But if 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 those districts are part of a sort of principal uh, uh, sort of pipeline, and there's a pool of candidates from which they could choose, uh, you're 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 sort of helping those folks as well. 
That's right. In fact, several of our nine programs are kind of a, a, a partnership with several districts in one program. And what's impressive is those superintendents have agreed, you know, they're training this common pool of applicants, like you mentioned, and, you know, they're okay with if they're, they've got a highly effective aspiring person who might wind up being snatched up by another <laughs> district in the same program um, because it's making the region stronger. They've all come together and agreed on that, which is not easy to do. But I think credit to our superintendents who realize, you know, even though they might lose a candidate from their own district, if it's going to a neighboring district, it's still making the state better and the region better. So that's, that's been encouraging to see as well. Absolutely, it's it's a uh, it's 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 really exciting work. Uh, wanted to before we sort of got off this too much. You you mentioned sort of er, earlier earlier on this notion of uh, sort of human capital and sort of sort of managing human um, human capital um, educator human capital across the state. Um, in fact, in your title is teachers and leaders. Uh, okay. So how do you? I mean, how do you how do you think about that sort of that sort of ecosystem in that? Um, Thinking about certainly the 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 challenges and opportunities for you know recruiting and supporting and and doing all those things um, for principals is is exceedingly important. Uh, but in, in sort of thinking about these are folks who are working in schools with teachers, and it's it's often sort of the the you know it's the same school building. Um, so how do you think about that in terms of not ensuring that some of these approaches are not sort of piecemeal? Um, and sort of off on their own sort of one-off initiatives and that you, you sort of think of that, uh, you know, that cohesion. Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought this up. I think it's one of the biggest challenges, very understandably, facing districts and states is how to develop a cohesive and comprehensive human capital framework or system, like as you said, the ecosystem, so that districts do not create a bunch of one-off programs or SEAs, you know, or states, and that it does feel connected. And so teachers and principals experience it as a continuum rather than a bunch of one-off programs. So we've worked really hard to develop a framework for in Tennessee around human capital that has, I'll just briefly explain, three big buckets. So we have kind of our set of strategies that are pretty similar for both attracting teachers and leaders, uh, principals, uh, in this first bucket of attract, right? So there's a set of strategies and policies that all kind of fall under that whole idea of, you know, recruitment and uh, recognition and identification of candidates, both for teachers to become teachers and to become principals. And in fact, for teachers, even starting way back in high school, right? Of how to incentivize folks to go into education uh, and, and how important that is. So, you know, that kind of, um, sorry, we call it kind of acquire that first bucket, not attract, but all of those kind of initial activities and strategies and policies would fall under that. Uh, but then we have a second area of once, you know, that's happened and folks are in programs, especially for um, teachers and principals in our teacher and principal preparation programs, it's this whole notion then of development. It's the second bucket. So, you know, we, we see that as really beginning even with uh, induction and what are districts doing to provide high quality induction for both teachers who are beginning in their careers and principals, because we know, especially for teachers, they are more likely to stay in a building, which makes total sense if they experience high quality induction support, you know, have a good mentor, 
have folks they can talk to and network to and someone they can go to with to answer their questions. This is especially true for educators of color that have higher retention rates when they are in high quality induction programs. So we've identified a whole set of strategies and policies around development that span kind of from the beginning of a teacher's career um, into kind of as a mid-career teacher for districts in the state to work on. And then finally, with this third bucket called sustain, and this is really where you know ideas around teacher leadership come, like the pathways. So if you're a teacher and you want to become a teacher leader, you actually have a visible path to take in your district to become a teacher leader. Or if you want to become a principal, there is a clear pathway as well. So, you know, if this makes sense, our, our framework that we're working with districts to um, help become more strategic with is around those three buckets of acquire, develop, and sustain uh, around a lot of those moving parts of, of uh, human capital. And are we doing that in any way perfectly? You know, not at all. But I think by having a framework and helping districts connect the dots between those three big areas helps them align the strategies and supports they're using and helps us as the state to align the strategies and supports that we want to use. Because the last thing we want is to feel like districts, things are happening to them from the state rather than with them. And mm -hmm. we're at our best when we are partnering districts, you know, with them and doing this side by side as opposed to doing it to them. And so that framework is, is one way to, to do that. To that, and then, and then you, and then you can have those conversations around sort of what is an a sort of authentic partnership, right, versus a sort of potentially an MOU or something there, or something a little bit certainly, you know, on paper as a partnership, but 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 it isn't right in practice. That's right. That, that that often has been transactional in the past, right? Some of these partnerships, especially between districts and um, preparation programs, and we're really pushing uh, into support both districts and programs to to become more transformational and develop these more authentic partnerships. Cause that's, you're right. That's where the rubber meets the road, especially with some of the quality of these partnerships. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, preparation programs, uh, I think you mentioned earlier residency models. Uh, wanted to, to touch on this. Um, you all certainly in Tennessee have been engaged in this and have some um, strong examples of, of, of this working. Uh, wanted to just 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 hear about your sort of experience in in sort of um, you know propping up some of these uh, programs, advancing them, expanding them. Uh, first of all, why you know why do you all um, you know believe in in sort of what they can be? Um, just uh, actually you know up here uh, in D.C. up up on Capitol Hill, there's been some discussion around reauthorizing the Higher Education Act, uh, which includes. Uh, sort of educator prep programs, which is uh, you know teachers and principals, um, and and there's been some some sort of good discussions about uh, you know the need for supporting institutes of higher ed um, educator prep programs to be able to um, you know either start or or expand sort of clinical based uh, you know clinical oriented uh, preparation um, as an example residency uh, program. So. Uh, long-winded question but what is the sort of what is your experience with them where where do you see those going and sort of how have you seen them used in your state yeah so okay another great area your area you're pointing out and in tennessee we're fortunate we have several uh, teacher preparation programs and leader preparation programs already 
providing clinical residencies. And I think our question from the state has been, how do we scale these and make them even more available across the state? Because especially on the teacher residency side, it can be very, very expensive for those to be run. And that's why, truthfully, we're now pushing, at least initially, when we're talking about scaling effective residency programs more on the principal side, because one, they are not as expensive to run. Two, because we already have this transformational alliance in place with these nine programs, we have additional state funds, fortunately, from our governor's leadership, Governor Haslam, and the legislature to provide additional funding to those existing nine pipeline programs to develop year-long residency programs as part of their model that they've already begun a year ago. So we already had kind of the infrastructure that makes sense on the leader prep side to incentivize these year-long residency programs, which includes a semester placement in a school where they're currently not working and also includes um, mentoring by a high quality, you know, a highly effective mentor as well. So we're really excited about that because I think on the leader side, there's less research about uh, in a common understanding about what goes into a high quality residency. Hmm. But we know that payoff, payoff can be really big because uh, firing principals who get a chance to get hands-on experience and not just shadowing, right? Job shadowing or not just, you know, one day a week, but actually are walking and living and breathing the role for a semester or longer uh, with a high quality mentor is invaluable and really helps them get a, a stronger sense of, of how to lead. So mm-hmm. we're just launching that this school year for those nine programs to develop um, on the leader side, these kind of year long residency programs that include a semester placement. So we're, uh, we'll have to, I mean, we can have a follow-up podcast in a year, you know, at the end of the school year. To, <laughs> to, to, uh, we could talk about what, what we're seeing, but uh, our programs are really excited. We're really excited because I think, as you know, uh, it's just true that principal residencies are less well-defined and less, uh, less um, common, I think, than on the teacher residency side. And it's not to diminish the teacher residencies. It's just right now, I think we have an opportunity to do it on the principal side pretty well in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have, um, you know, multiple, you sort of mentioned the governor, but you have multiple kind of um, academies and, and sort of various programs. So is, is some of the thought in terms of your approach to um, almost kind of test out um, uh, some residency models and sort of work out the kinks and see how you can do it. And then, um, yeah. sort of encourage and work with um, other sort of uh, prep providers to, to, to help them sort of adopt and, and, and use it as well? That's right. You said that so well. That's exactly what we're thinking is, is this is almost like the, the alliance is, transformational alliance is almost like the incubator. And then by having different models in place that, again, have some common um, components that they all have to follow, still giving them some flexibility we're able to research and understand which ones uh, really can could be scaled and which ones we hope that our existing leader preparation programs will also gravitate towards and, and think about taking out. So you're right, that's getting to the scale part and that's also what's exciting about this work. That's great. Uh, well, good. This has been, uh, Paul, this has been uh, really great. I've uh, appreciated it. I want to end it. I want to end on a couple uh, sort of advocacy focused uh, questions. We, uh, 
have our, our members, NAESP members, who are um, principals, and but all, also interested in sort of how they can have, advocate for the profession. Uh, what's your just kind of general advice on this, this um, I think, a challenge of um, sort of communicating to, you know, policymakers, folks in positions who are, um, you know, writing laws or making funding decisions in education about truly the the, the sort of the role of, of the principal, uh, the importance of, of the role, sort of all the things you mentioned around multiply, you know, being a multiplier of effective teaching and thinking about the, the role in teacher shortages, um, sort of turnaround, of course. What is, how would you, what, what would your advice be to, to sort of principals in, in, in how they can help kind of get the principalship higher up on uh, state and and federal policy agendas. Yeah, another great question. And you know, two come to mind. You know, uh, right away because as you mentioned, we've been talking about during this podcast about the changing role of the principal moving to a much more complex instructional leader involving shared leadership. Uh, one is for how do principals feel comfortable advocating for more supports? You know, more structures and supports from their districts and from their their state offices because it's incredibly complex work. And, you know, for a long time, the emphasis has been on teachers, uh, understandably, and teacher evaluation. And it's just now, I think, reemerging back into the light that principals, the incredible role they play in a building around culture and around academic press and instructional leadership. So, you know, being really vocal and in, in, uh, having principal voice around the supports that they need to do this new role even more effectively, I think, is one way to really elevate uh, and so it, to be clear, it's not just talking about working conditions or around pay, but rather much more, you know, what are the supports that districts should be providing to make this role um, even more effective in helping, you know, thinking about it. And I think that gets to the second point about, you know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in peer networks because I think both teachers and principals can be in this kind of isolating role where where their own practices they don't have an opportunity to share and learn from each other and i think especially true for principals where i think principals sometimes typically come together by the district and it's still around the logistics of the job as opposed to you know what are those true dilemmas and practices that principals can get together and share and talk about in a safe environment mm -hmm. uh, with each other so I think, you know, that goes back to the first point of, of principals being comfortable enough to advocate for more time and space for peer support, peer feedback, uh, more time and space, you know, more support. And, you know, I'll just close by it, it never fails to amaze me like someone like Tiger Woods still has a coach, you know, like arguably has been the best golfer in the world, but still has someone giving them feedback even when they're at number one. And, you know, I think principals <laughs> often don't have that luxury of, of getting feedback and it's it's a it's a right you know everybody needs professional feedback in order to improve and principal sometimes sadly that is the missing link so that's where the peer networks and the types of supports that districts and the state can provide i think help principals advocate for the profession you know in a way that feels authentic no that's great uh that's that's really great advice and i think uh Really, what you know you're 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 talking about there is just uh, you know principals using their voice and uh, really how how powerful that can be and uh, moving moving folks and, and influencing and 
um, uh, yeah. in, impacting these, you know, these decisions that are, that are made about, about the profession. Um, and you probably see that with your own organization, you know, your association, right? That the impact when you bring principals together and their voice is honored and they have an, an opportunity to advocate for the profession uh, and network together, it's, it's like a multiplier right there. So also very appreciative of both uh, NAESP and also uh, this, your secondary uh, partner as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, that, that's, uh, that's very helpful. And, uh, um, well, I've really appreciated this. This, this has been a lot of fun, Paul. Um, I, I always find your, uh, your stuff and, and what you have to say really insightful. And, um, um, I, I hope everyone else, um, enjoyed it as well. Uh, wanted to just do a, a quick plug for you. I, I, I know you're on Twitter, so I was just going to quick share your handle. It's, uh, I have it in front of me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I've got it as, yes. uh, at, uh, Paul Fleming, F L E-M-I-N-G, uh, T-N, as in Tennessee. That's right. Yes, thank you for uh, mentioning that. It's great to connect with people on Twitter and and also through this, and also appreciate all your partnership and, and support as well. That's great. Sounds good. All right, thanks, Paul. All right, thanks so much. You bet. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thanks.